for the whole organization, we sent an email out for any employees that wanted to pick up additional time or shifts at this theater because it does require more staff than the typical theater would utilize. And the influx of emails was there. Everyone wanted to help out at the haunted house. And we even had three or four employees that asked about working with the talent group who provided the actors and the jump scares. And we had three employees have their makeup done and and they've been working for the talent crew and doing jump scares. So yeah, they're all into it. And welcome to the Box Office Podcast. I'm Rebecca Polly, Deputy Editor at Box Office Pro, the Pulse of Cinema Exhibition. Joined by Box Office Analyst Jesse Rifkin. How you doing, Jesse? I'm doing great. I was just telling you before uh, before we press record here that we have a, a fun kind of themed podcast for this week. Our feature segment is with Imagine Entertainment CEO Anthony Laverde. And, and Jesse, I know you'd heard of this before, but Imagine Entertainment, they converted one of their like old old, old, like century old theaters in Michigan into this haunted house attraction. So we'll be hearing from Anthony later on this episode. It's a really fun example of what we've been talking about a lot on the podcast of theaters kind of branching out and doing things that are not necessarily the same theatrical release strategy that they've been doing over the past decades. Weirdly enough, when I said this podcast episode was themed. The two main news items we have to go over today are also kind of in that same wheelhouse. So synchronicity, everything coming together. Jesse, first up, we have from Netflix's Ted Sarandos. This is from the Netflix investor interview that happened last week. He spoke briefly on the deal that is seeing Brian Johnson's film Glass Onion hit theaters a week early before its debut on Netflix. And, and actually, his quote on the subject, well, Jesse, take it away. Yeah, so again, this is about the sequel to Knives Out, a 2019 film, which I really enjoyed at least. And Sarandos said on the investor call, quote, For all those folks who can't get to a city where a film festival is, this one-week release on 600 screens is a way of creating access to the film and building buzz. But then he says, of course, with one week of release in theaters, most people will still see it on Netflix, just like they see all movies, because most people want to watch most movies at home. Yeah, Jesse, it was an interesting quote to me, because what he's basically saying is that for Glass Onion, for this particular Netflix release, and perhaps for other Netflix theatrical collaborations going forward, theaters in Netflix's view are basically part of a film's marketing campaign, like a film festival or an advanced screening somewhere. And actually, he said, this is just another way to build anticipation for the film and build buzz and reputation for the film ahead of its Netflix release. So, Well, this is particularly the case for a film like Glass Onion, which is the sequel to the 2019 film Knives Out, which I saw in theaters and really enjoyed, and a lot of people saw in theaters. It made $165.3 million at the domestic box office. So you would hope that the sequel to a theatrical hit film would also be a fully theatrically exclusive release. But anything short of that, even just this one week, you might call it a token theatrical release, but I, at least speaking for myself, will be making every effort to try to see it in theaters to replicate the experience that I had three years ago for the predecessor film. I think a lot of other people will as well. Yeah, and that does seem to be what Netflix is counting on, that the diehard fans, maybe 
press or influencers or what have you. You know, the people who go out and see it in the first week are the ones who are really into the first one, who really want to see this. And they're the ones who are going to talk about it and build word of mouth. And the other piece of news, Jesse, have you ever seen the show Yellowstone? Well, my fun fact about that is when I took the Jeopardy online test to become a contestant for the show about two years ago, I hadn't heard of the show yet. So one of the questions was, this television show starring Kevin Costner gets its title from a national park and you had only 10 seconds to put in your answer and I didn't know. So I guessed Yellowstone, but I got it right. I could have guessed Yosemite or something. Well, since then, I've been hearing about the show quite a bit. It is an incredibly popular show. And the season five premiere is actually coming to AMC theaters a full two weeks before it actually airs on TV. So it's another, you know, build the buzz, build the word of mouth. This is described as a whole kind of Yellowstone fan experience. Obviously, the people who go to see that season premiere at the theaters are going to be the super fans. You get merch, you get codes for official discounts, you get a little free chunk of time on Paramount+. Plus. This one, I mean, I think it's smart. We've seen this happen through event cinema providers with shows like, let's say, uh, Doctor Who or Game of Thrones. This is the first one that I can recall where it's a full two weeks before it just comes out on television. And now we welcome box office chief analyst Sean Robbins to the podcast. Sean, it was a pretty good week at the box office last weekend. Both of the two major releases did better than most people projected. Yeah, this is absolutely another weekend that I think we can look back on and point to as something of a counter-programming revival. We haven't seen a lot of these sorts of weekends during the recovery era. Occasionally here and there, I kind of look back to something like when Elvis and the Black Phone opened over the summer. This is similar to that kind of circumstance where studios are finally putting out these two films aiming for different audiences, and they worked on both levels. Black Adam coming in literally at the very high end of expectations. We had it at 68, best case scenario, and current estimates have it at 67 with actuals. Maybe it sneaks a little bit over. We'll see. But yeah, I think this is definitely an encouraging sign as we head into November when the release slate starts to pick up even more. Now, Jesse, you track the box office as it comes in on the weekends. I mean, this... Ticket to Paradise came out in around 3,500 screens, Black Adam around 4,400. When was the last time we had two movies, like 3,500 screens or more on the same weekend? It might be what Sean just said about Elvis and the Black Phone. This was the first weekend to reach 100 million plus at the overall box office in 13 weekends. You have to go back to the July 22nd to 24th weekend to find the last time that that happened. Yeah, not doing so well, though, Jesse. That Halloween end second week drop, that was pretty brutal. What was it, like 80%? It was 80%. And here's how steep that is. Among films playing in 1,000 or more theaters, that is the number seven steepest sophomore weekend drop of all time. Number seven. And most of the films above it were also horror films, like 2009's reboot of Friday the 13th. I mean, I know horror films tend to be front-loaded with the fans coming out early on, but 80% is, that's a really, Sean, there was some discussion last week as to whether, you know, there has been some discussion about the movie. It's kind of turned into a love it or hate it sort of thing. And maybe that would make some people curious and get them to come out to see Halloween ends on the second weekend. But yeah, this one's yeah sinking like a rock. Yeah, the opposite happened, to be honest. Halloween Kills dropped over 70% in its second weekend last year, and 
this is partly the word of mouth effect. It's partly the streaming effects. I think this is just another nail in the coffin for day and date movies in this manner, because when the word of mouth is this way, it does not entice people to go see it in the theater. It entices people to watch it for free at home when they have that option. And that's what they have with Halloween ends right now. So yeah, to your point, franchises, particularly in the horror genre, are notorious for being front loaded, but this is on another level. Yeah. Oh, I mean, Sean, what kind of holdovers are we looking at here for Black Adam and Ticket to Paradise? Much better than 80%, obviously, but uh, what's the range that you're thinking of for each of these? Because you thought Ticket to Paradise was going to have quite good legs. Right. And without any real competition, Pray for the Devil is not really going for either of these audiences over Halloween weekend. Both should hold really well. Black Adam will retain virtually all of its premium screens based on what we're seeing so far. Ticket to Paradise is going to be a leggy movie just because it's an adult movie and I expect it to be hanging around through November. Word of mouth on both seems stronger than critic reactions indicated could possibly be the case. With Black Adam, I think we really have to look at the Dwayne Johnson factor. That's a major element here. Its internal weekend holds were a little bit more front-loaded for comic book franchise movies. I would not be shocked if it can stay over $30 million in its second weekend with how positive audience reception has been relative to critics. Ticket to Paradise, that'll be an interesting one to look at because the most relevant comparison is going to be The Lost City. That's the one everybody's pointing at because it was the other big rom-com this year. That film actually dropped 52% in its second weekend before stabilizing and building out those legs. I think Ticket to Paradise could be a candidate for a similar drop, but at the same time, it also doesn't face a film like Morbius, which did open in The Lost City's second frame. So I would expect something a little bit more conservative on that end. Maybe if it can stay over $10 million for its second frame, that doesn't seem unrealistic to me. We'll see how it plays out. Sean, you mentioned Pray for the Devil. That's an original IP horror film coming out next week from Lionsgate. We've had pretty good luck with original IP horror films over the past few weeks. Barbarian Smile. What are your predictions for this one? This one's a little bit over the map just because it's Halloween weekend and that can tend to skew things. I think we also have to look at the market right now. Smile is still in third place. It will very likely have another stronghold, much stronger than it did last weekend when it dropped almost 34%, which is not even that bad of a drop considering what opened. I would also look at the fact that Halloween ends, even though we just talked about how it dropped sharply, it will still benefit because of its name. And as typically happens, people want to go see a Halloween movie if it's in theaters or available at all. So that will be a minor factor as well against Pray for the Devil. But I do look at the positive sides because it's a PG-13 release from Lionsgate. So it won't be limited to that strictly over 18, over 21 audience. That could maybe help it surprise a little bit. I think we're probably looking at sub 10 million. Where that lands, we'll kind of have to see. We're recording this a few days before it opens. And really, these types of movies don't pop in ticket sales until basically the 11th hour. As of right now, we're pretty conservative on it. I would say something in the mid to high single digit range, but you know, we'll see where it goes over the quote unquote holiday weekend. It's a holiday. I'm not going to use quotes. It's Halloween's a holiday. It's a season. It's not just a holiday. It's a state of mind. Thank you, Jesse and Sean. We're going to keep spooky season rolling with our feature segment and interview with Anthony Laverde, CEO of Imagine Entertainment, which has taken a historic theater in Birmingham, Michigan, and converted it to a full-on haunted house, or I guess I should say haunted movie theater experience during the month of October. 
Anthony, thanks so much for joining us today. In our October issue, we wrote about Imagine's Royal Oak, Michigan location, where one of the auditoriums was turned into this full-on, really swank-looking Vegas sports book. Now, in one of your Birmingham, Michigan locations, you've turned it into a full-on Halloween attraction. You guys really have a lot of innovative things going on over at Imagine. We certainly don't like to rest here. I probably (laughs) drive the team crazy at times. And it's funny that the GM of our Birmingham theater where we're doing this, and she says, I send shivers up her spine every time I say, hey, I got a great idea. (laughs) Uh, I, I tend to panic them. So yeah, we're super excited about the concept. Well, shivers up the spine, it's seasonally appropriate. So <laughs> Exactly. So this is the Birmingham, Michigan cinema location for Imagine. I know you partnered with an events company. Who approached whom? Why this theater? Give us some background on how this came to be. Absolutely. So we're lucky enough to have two locations in Birmingham, Michigan. We have our traditional Imagine-style theater, luxury theater, And during COVID, we acquired this special 100-year-old theater. And it just has such a rich history. And during these slow months that we've been dealing with since August, we were looking for another way to use this historic venue. And it's always been rumored to be haunted. We have employees who refuse to go to certain sections of the building. We actually have an electrician who refuses to come back in the building. He was in the basement doing some work and he heard bowling balls. And we had to tell him that when the theater was originally built, there was a bowling alley in the basement. So now he (laughs) refuses to come back. But with all the history and the lore, and for years it's been rumored to be haunted, I approached a local event company, Blue Water, who is just experts in their space and they had done an outdoor hunt previously a haunted house or something similar outdoors and in the suburbs of michigan and i approached them about partnering with us to develop this haunted theater concept and they jumped all over it and we began construction when was that i mean how long does it take to put something like this together because it started october 1st right It's it's a whole month long thing Correct. Open the whole month of October for both family-friendly and the more scary adult haunt. And we had closed for 15 days in September to commence construction. And we opened October 1st. And it really is transformed. There are walls moved. There are seats taken out. And it was truly a massive undertaking to meet the deadline. I will give our team in Blue Water immense credit for meeting the deadlines. So, I mean, how has the local community kind of responded to that? Because if I'm a Birmingham native and I have a haunted 100-year-old theater in my city, (laughs) I'm going to be really pumped for something like this. Well, the opening night with local press was sold out. We had 87 different media outlets there to cover it. So I certainly think the community is excited about it. And instead of cutting a red ribbon, we had James Jude Courtney, who's the real Michael Myers in the last three Halloween films. And we cut a red rope that was filled with artificial blood and he slashed it. As he said, he slashed the ribbon and folks really enjoyed it. And then James was kind enough to host a Q&A panel which ended up selling three different shows out, and we showed his first Halloween film. And what a great guy. Folks were just 
so enamored by him and he spent time with everyone and just it was a really special evening and we're hoping it continues the rest of the month it's a special experience I mean, that's really great. I mean, special experiences, especially when there aren't a ton of new films coming out. I mean, it's really something that is going to draw people in. I mean, I feel like over these last few months, I've been to more rep and event screenings than I have of new new movies. <laughs> that is true. That is true. But, you know, we took elements of the theater and put them into the experience. So it's not just your traditional jump scare haunted house. So it's a two-floor experience. Upstairs, you get a very theatrical experience. You begin a storyline as you walk through the theater. The first room, without giving away too much to everyone, you actually sit down and experience the first part of the haunt, and a story begins being told. And you work your way through the building in areas that the public has never seen, And then you work your way into a more traditional jump scare haunted house. And we've completely transformed some of the auditoriums. You know, we have one that has probably 50 or 100 artificial trees in it, and we created a fake forest. So it's a lot of thought went into it to not just make it your traditional jump scare, but to have a real storyline and really add elements of the theater into the experience. You're not screening any movies during October. I mean, you're in the other Birmingham theater. You want to go see and imagine you can go there. But at this one, it's just Haunted House for October. Correct. Yes. And how many auditoriums is it? So the theater has eight auditoriums, of which seven of them are being utilized for different parts and experiences of the Haunted House. Then all of the back staircases and walkways that were used it was originally a single screen playhouse or live playhouse single stage playhouse so there's a lot of back behind the screen walkways and really creepy staircases that are included in the haunt and then most all the hallways so it's roughly about nine different experiences as you walk through and it depends, you know, how fast and how scared you get, whether you run through or walk through and really experience it for the length of time it takes you to make it through. And there's one that's for kids and one that's for 13 plus. So you can, you know. Yeah. The kids one is very easy on the jump scares and very family friendly. We have face painting. We have balloon making. We have crafts in areas that traditionally would have been more scary. So we've kind of make it a day at the theater to enjoy this beautiful venue and spend some time with your kids doing some crafts. And then if you want to have a little fun and walk through a couple of the elements that are less scary, we also have a kid's version shorter to walk through and experience some of the elements of it. Now, is there any, I mean, imagine obviously it's just a luxury chain. Is there a F&B concept at all that plays into it or... Absolutely. So we've partnered with Blake's Farms, which is a well-respected local, now national chain of hard cider and donuts. And we will do hot chocolate, cider donuts, some pizza outside. And then inside, we'll be doing adult beverages, spiked apple cider with different mixers, including whiskey. So we really have elevated the experience to you know, coincide with the fall season, but have some really unique drinks tied to it. And so far it's been well-received. So we're excited about what the rest of the month holds. 
In terms of staffing and running this thing, I mean, is it the staff of that theater? Is it Blue Water bringing people in? Like, obviously, like, you know, 16 years old working for movie theaters are going to be very different from a haunted house. (laughs) How did you handle it from a training staffing angle? That's a great question. So the operations of the technology involved in the haunted house, there really is a control room that I am beyond impressed. It has two massive soundboards, there's servers, because we've really brought in technology also to the experience. Blue Water is handling all of that and doing a wonderful job. They also have a partner that has hired all of the jump actors and the scare actors, and then we also have some theatrical elements, so there's some actors that actually have roles within the haunted house. Blue Water's been responsible for those elements. And then operationally, food and beverage, line design, flow through the haunted house has been our team. It's really a true 50-50 partnership on what each team is responsible for. And it's so far worked very well. And when you can meet deadlines, that's always a positive thing. That means your teams are working well together. (laughs) Have any of the Imagine employees gotten really into it? Because I would get really into it. (laughs) Yeah. So for the whole organization, we sent an email out for any employees that wanted to pick up additional time or shifts at this theater because it does require more staff than the typical theater would utilize. And the influx of emails was there. Everyone wanted to help out at the haunted house. And we even had three or four employees that asked about working with the talent group who provided the actors and the jump scares. And we had three employees have their makeup done and and they've been working for the talent crew and doing jump scares. So yeah, they're all into it. We did a friends and family night for our employees. And I mean, I think everyone showed up. They enjoyed it and their family members certainly enjoyed it. And I think we'll have more employees jump over to the talent side in the weeks to come as we expect to get busier towards Halloween. I mean, you don't have an opportunity like that. <laughs> very often so I definitely would and you get to scare people I mean that's a lot of fun (laughs) and you get paid for it come on now that too yes (laughs) so you mentioned I mean obviously like it's going to get busier as we move closer to Halloween we're speaking on October 6th so like I'm all in on Halloween and horror like starting midnight on October 1st but I know for other people (laughs) it takes some time to ramp up to it (laughs) What's the attendance been? I mean, what's the experience been of actually running this thing with customers going through it? It depends on the customer. It's funny. We didn't think it was scary enough to have people run out. You know, there's those haunted houses that really get excited when people can't make it all the way through. The first night, we did have one teenage girl leave crying, and then we did have four other groups that did not make it all the way through, which was surprising to us because it really is scary but theatrical. You know, the feedback has been wonderful about those two elements combining, and they do combine and work together really well as you make your way through the haunt. So feedback's been great. We're excited to sort of tweak things as we make our way through into the busy season. As I said earlier, my team gets scared every time I say I have a new idea or I have an idea. And we're closed on Wednesday, so yesterday we made some changes based on some ideas that our team had while walking through. So we're eager to just continually improve upon it and have it ready for the busy two weeks at the end of the month. 
For any theater operator who runs one of those old classic theaters who might be interested in exploring a concept like this, what would you recommend? What are some advice you would give, some tips? Because it seems like such a fun thing to do and an interesting thing to do, but it also seems like a kind of a huge daunting undertaking. You are spot on, uh, <laughs> Rebecca. I would have probably closed another week earlier in September. It really is a pretty big lift to do it right. And we like to do everything right at Imagine. And for the last three nights before we opened, you know, we had staff sleeping there to get it completely ready. So I think I would have just closed a week earlier and have some of the learning curves of the first few days hashed out before opening. But it is certainly a much bigger lift than most folks will anticipate to do it right. And something that maybe doesn't necessarily make sense to do in a normal year when we have a normal amount of movies coming out. Correct. <laughs> so. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, if we had a full slate of films, probably would have been a much longer or harder discussion whether we do it or not. Anthony, thank you so much. Like I said, I just I was really interested in this concept. And it's just for me, I had to find out more about it because it sounds super interesting. And I look forward to seeing what other new thing Imagine has coming next, because I'm pretty sure if I tried to guess and name something, <laughs> I wouldn't get it. So We don't rest. I agree. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to this very special spooky episode of the Box Office Podcast. And thanks, as always, to our guests, Anthony Laverde, as well as Box Office Pros, Sean Robbins and Jesse Rifkins. The Box Office Podcast is co-produced by The Box Office Company and Record Edit Podcast. We have a new episode coming up next Thursday, so please tune in, rate, like us, and subscribe. Thanks again, and happy Halloween. Happy Halloween.